Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chen. And we don't have Sarah with us. We did say she was coming, but she's currently, right now, in the air. She's flying from London back to New Zealand, so we're wishing her all the best. And in her place, we have a wonderful guest returning back to the podcast. He's an actor, he's a storyteller, he's a film enthusiast. Welcome to the podcast, Billy Revelseal! Hey, thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome, Billy. And I'm trying to remember the last time you were with us. What what was the last episode we, oh, we had? Oh, Jeremy, I can't remember. <laughs> Wait, was it the uh, Da Five Bloods? Oh, yeah. Yes, that was it. Wow. Yeah. Da Five Bloods and The Three Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, two films that, you know, one aged r- all right, and the other one was, was dead on arrival. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> It is welcome, Billy. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. However, two films came out very recently about the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, rather than looking at a retrospective film, let's look at the two films that, ha- that are dealing with the multiverse right now. That being Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, I'm getting nods from... Yep. <laughs> And Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, an indie film which is actually doing pretty well at the box office around the world, even though you can't seem to find it anywhere in New Zealand. The connection being not just that they're multiverse films, but they're also films about mother and child relationships. All right, William, give us a bit of an introduction about these films. All right, guys, guys, guys. Um, I just saw a movie in 2022 featuring a fantastical yet nuanced look at the Chinese immigrant experience in North America where a beleaguered mom struggles to connect with her increasingly estranged daughter. Supported by a meek, kind-hearted husband and an elderly man played by James Hong, who may be more than he appears. Our heroes must reforge this mother-daughter relationship or risk cataclysmic destruction. But enough about turning red, everybody! (laughs) Also, everything everywhere all at once. It, It is, as we said, dear listener, in our last episode, the parallels between these two movies, so very, very different. So Turning Red, the Pixar panda movie, uh, and this movie by the Daniels about, well, everything. <laughs> A mishmash of, of kung fu tropes and Michelle yells, like her own acting history um and nihilism and faith and just the the kitchen sink included um yes the parallels are incredible and uncanny nice and i love that you did bring that back up again because we'd already kind of made as you said made that connection last episode with phoebe and it's cool to be able to talk about it because we hadn't planned to talk about this movie Mm -hmm. we sort of pivoted and shifted once we all got to the cinema to see it so the other film is the latest in the Marvel offering. It is... Wait, 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 wait. Guys, guys, guys. Hang on. <laughs> I also watched... Actually, I watched today a Sam Raimi schlockfest. Wow. Lots of fun. Featuring Bruce Campbell repeatedly punching himself in the face. <laughs> where our hero faces up against the Book of the Damned and horde of demonic monstrosities, as well as evil doppelgangers. But enough about Evil Dead 2. <laughs> I love it. No, but Sorry. I love Evil Dead 2. And I think we had to make those connections because it is very much a Sam Raimi film. Mm-hmm. Very clearly. Hey team, we're going to be spoiling both movies and both films have some great things to be spoiled. So if you haven't seen either film, I suggest pausing this episode and coming back to it at a future date. Or if you don't like horror movies that much and need to know what happens, listen to all the spoilers because <laughs> I think it's fair to say Doctor Strange is pretty much a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I'm going to pass it to my friend Billy to talk about the experience he had watching Doctor Strange yeah. and the multiverse of madness. <laughs> yeah, my um, so I've got two daughters, nine years old and five years old, um, and I've been looking for someone to go to the movies with more because you know being a dad, sometimes it's hard to find the time between kids. And, and being able to do the things you want to do. So anyway, I've, I've been getting my kids to catch up on, uh, you know, watching the old Doctor Strange at home through Disney+. Plus. Um, and um, yeah, so then I thought it was a good idea. After school, I surprised them, got them tickets to watch it in IMAX, which was great. Uh, and they were terrified. It was <laughs> My youngest one had her fingers in her ears, at least oh. half of the film. It was just way too loud. Like the mix, uh, I guess it's IMAX, you get the full experience, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting it. And I knew that it was going to have moments of of darkness from the trailer, 
but I didn't think it was going to be that dark. It, <gasps> it got really, really dark. Yeah, it yeah. really did. I love, and the Evil Dead connection is so clear. Evil Dead, when I saw it, I was 19 years old at university. I watched it at the top of the Victoria University Library. Whoa. You used to be able to go and book out DVDs and watch them. Mm. And I thought I'll watch this film. I had to turn it off. Like I'm in a, I was in a public space. <laughs> it, it terrified me so much that I had to turn it off. And I don't know if I've ever gone back and watched it. I've watched Evil Dead 2. I've watched Army of Darkness. And it, it was all there. Like the camera, like even Wanda possessing herself, the camera is like the, the, the demonic camera mm-hmm. in Evil Dead. Um, you know, the, the deadite with Doctor Strange reanimating his own body. And I mean, all of those... All the canted angles, um, the dolly zooms. Like this, this is just a sam raimi movie and it's awesome i mean wanda's wanda's mirror kind of being in the mirror is very mm-hmm. much out of army of darkness because mm-hmm. there's a scene where the mirror breaks and little versions of of um ash. i want to say bruce lee but it's not <laughs> what's his name bruce campbell yeah. ash come out of the mirror wow yeah wow my sister actually she messaged in her family chat she said off to the movies you know photo of the movies and i got the message like half an hour later so i was like well they're in the movie and i said I said, Doctor Strange, good luck putting the kids to bed tonight. And it wasn't Doctor Strange. It was lost the lost city. Mm. But I feel for you, Billy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely felt embarrassed walking out of the movie with my kids. Like, because I probably should have left halfway as well. Like, but I was like, no. We, we paid a lot of, like, we paid a lot for the tickets. And for IMAX. <laughs> I find IMAX too loud anyway. I've talked oh. about it before. But mm. when I went and saw... Um, I think it was Dunkirk. It was, and it was, and I, you know, I've got issues with Christopher Nolan sound mixing anyway, but it's just muddy and messy and mm. garish. Like it hurts my ears. Whereas if you go to somewhere like the VMAX at Newmarket, brand new theater, it's, I find the mixing is so much nicer. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We'd be doing it for, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> what do people think about madness of, I don't even know what it's called. Madness of murkiness. No. <laughs> The mountains are a multiverse, yes. Uh, So so I saw it this morning, uh, just in time for the podcast. I really liked it. Um, And maybe surprisingly really liked it. Kind of just like the first Doctor Strange. Because I I don't see that one at the movies. And I saw it, you know, weeks later and thought, man, I should have gone to the movies. Because, Jeremy, I know you and Sarah, well, especially Sarah was really, really saying it was like a good cinematic, uh, cinematic experience. And I think for this one... I, I had no real hopes going in. I knew it had all these production problems and the reviews weren't great. Um, and uh, to be to be fair, it does feel like a mishmash of two different movies, right? The MCU product and a Sam Raimi high-budget horror movie. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But when it works, guys, this movie is so much fun. It's just fun. That whole... Sorry, guys, spoilers, but the... The stuff at the end, like the third act. Marvel movies usually have really weak third acts, but I was hooting and hollering. Like, this is when he was possessing, like, a zombie strange and him being carried along by a swarm of skeletons. Like, I want more of this, please, Marvel. Mm -hmm. What were the production issues? I don't know about that. Oh, uh, I mean, the original director of Doctor Strange and the original writer, uh, Scott Derrickson, who did um, uh, Insidious and, and those movies... Uh, they both left the project half well near the beginning because of quote unquote creative differences. They were wanting to take, I think, the movie in a much more horror direction, like even more so. And then Marvel, I think, wanted this to be more connective tissue with Phase Four. Right. Yeah. Right. And so Sam Raimi was brought on quite late in pre-production. Mm. I have I have a major criticism with this movie, which I'll get to, mm. but I really enjoyed all of the Sam Raimi-isms. I think the pace of the movie was awesome. I loved all of the gags and gimmicks, and I think it fit really nicely within the multiverse kind of trope, or not trope, what's the word? Conceit, you know, just to be able to play with all these different things, um, all these different pieces. It made for a really fun time. And, you know, all the creepy stuff with, you know, Wanda coming out of the mirror mm. and put, people being pulled into reflections and that sort of stuff. The, the spirits forming a cape. Like, it was just really, really, really fun. What did you think, Bills? I just, I think I didn't go into it with that understanding <laughs> of it. You know, like, I wasn't expecting to watch a horror film. So, like, in, in retrospect, I think it was really cool that they experienced, like, experimenting with these other genres within the marvel universe um but i don't know like i think uh i'm getting a little bit of kind of 
tired of the Marvel verse a little bit. Like I think they're trying to string things along and hold things together, and it feels like it's a little bit at its tatters. Like in terms of when I think about um, Doctor Strange's character, I don't know that I've learned much more about her mother than. He's just a really irresponsible person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think like I learned more about that in, in the the last Spider-Man movie, really. Which is the thing, you know, I mean I don't know like and this was one of the troubles about taking my kids to this movie, knowing that in order to watch this movie, you have to have all of the context mm. of the other ones to fully enjoy it. I think as as a Marvel film. I think as a as a horror film, it, like if you were to watch it by itself, it might you know, I might have had a different experience. But I don't know that what I'm looking for anymore in, in a Marvel film anymore. Yeah. How did your kids like the the first Doctor Strange? Yeah, they loved it, man. Mm. Like I think it's because also, like it's quite an experience, see. Like in terms of, um, the multi, the, yeah, all the multi-dimensional mm. kind of things. Like I think also, um, there's the Spider-Man Far From Home, like did it well as well with mm. Doctor Mysterio and all of the just the trippy cinematics. Mm. I think is really fun for kids to watch they're really into it mm. um and the whole magic aspect because they're quite into harry potter and stuff right. like that as well um yeah so they've had they have had experience with some scary things because they've watched all the the beast movies now too but yeah i don't know i like i kind of uh, I, I don't know like i feel like also benedict cumberbatch is like really awesome and i wonder how limited he feels in this <laughs> role you know what i mean like yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, it was it was okay. My my biggest criticism is that this film both needed you to understand what happened in the WandaVision TV show, yeah, and it undercut the the res- resolution of that TV show. So uh, there are spoilers here for that TV show, but I think if you've seen the Doctor Strange film, it kind of spoils the things anyway. Um, you know, WandaVision as a show is about her coming to terms with her lover being dead. And then she eventually manifests these children and then she loses those children as well. And in order to deal with that pain, she controls an entire city. And the, the show ends with her realizing that she can't do that anymore. She needs to find peace in another way and moves on. And this film opens with her being full on a villain. And it's it, there's there's no um, transition into that. Well, there's a little bit with the yeah. stinger of the show, right? Because at the very very end of WandaVision, you see her with the Darkhold, like kind of creating the semblance of normality in the little cabin. But in fact, she's hearing voices of Billy and Tommy and and starting to go, you know, red eyes evil. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't mind that suggestion, but the film assumes the the film assumes too much. Uh, too much of the audience to come along for that emotional journey without taking us there. I think it's probably similar to the Daenerys, um, you know, the Daenerys uh, going. Well, I don't. I still say she didn't go. She didn't go mad, but you know, her jump to murdering everybody at the end of Game of Thrones. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers for Game of Thrones. But hey, it's been years now. If you haven't watched it, get onto it. Well, maybe don't because people hated the ending. Um, but it's that same kind of thing, right? If you don't bring your audience along for the ride, mm. then people are going to feel betrayed by that. And I just loved WandaVision as a, as a, sorry, WandaVision. I loved Wanda as a character and the Scarlet Witch. And I also feel like they were suggesting in that show that she was able to wield this great power in mm. a way for good. And this film just made her completely a villain, as well as, she even says it herself, how come you, Doctor Strange, get to make a massive decision that, that effectively kills people for five years and has huge traumatic effects in the world? And when I do it, I'm seen as a monster. A monster. And I mean, the film paints her as this hysterical mother. And I, it just was a bit, it felt a bit mansplaining. I mean, it was just yeah. a little bit gross. And I never bought onto her being a villain. And so therefore, and the moment she started killing people, I was like, well, she's going to die at the end. You can't kill all those people and still survive. And, and, and her body count just keeps ratcheting up as yeah. well. Yeah. I, I mean, across many multiverses, not just the original one. My boyfriend yeah. Josh said to me, he's like, why didn't they make Agatha the baddie of this show? I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, of this film, sorry. That would have been so much more fun. Yeah, I, I feel like this is another one, one of the problems with Marvel as well, is that they're at... Um, you know, like they have so many fans wanting different things, and that they they at the end of the day have to kind of give some of that fan service as well. And I I don't know, like I felt like the wonder thing was this explanation, or you know, it's that argument on the internet of like 
you know Goku versus the Hulk. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the the the. the I th- I feel like part of the 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 thing of it is was wanting to show just how powerful the Scarlet Witch actually is in the in the in the multiverse, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, just how overpowered that she could be. You know what I mean? Like if we. Uh, we kind of got a little bit of it in the the civil war thing of like the imagine if one of them was the on the wrong side you know what i mean like the the power of that but i love that film and i think marvel films when they work well and they generally work really well mm. is when they focus their stories so clearly on the emotional journeys of their characters mm. because at the end of the day there's no logic as to why wanda wouldn't just decimate everybody immediately and anyone would have any resistance mm. because it's like, you know, when two superheroes are fighting and punching each other, you're like, well, I don't, the logic of this doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it's fine if the emotional journey is there. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel like they had... They, 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 she, went to, she went full villain so quickly. They kind of resolved it at the end with her realizing she'd become a monster. Well, but which was, was a very, very weak resolution, I thought. The, the her seeing her kids and them hiding behind a little staircase banister, like, this is how you're going to do it? All right. All right. Can we just talk about those two boys? Great actors, but my gosh, that scene where they tell that they sing a song to yeah. their mum was. Wow. I just turned to Josh and I was like, "What is happening?" Nah, it, it felt like a real <laughs> Sam Raimi thing. It's like something that's just so camp and so cheesy, and just you know, roll with it. It felt like a scene out of The Happening. <laughs> you know, I, I will say in terms of um, like dramatic arcs, there is someone who does get a. a well, I was going to say decent. It's not decent. A dramatic arc. And that's uh, America Chavez, uh, the newcomer, the, the the girl who can punch through dimensions. Uh, super awesome character in the comics. I thought the actress did really well. Like, as a, you know, kid actors are kind of hit or miss, but she was good. It's just the resolution of the arc was so hilariously pat. It's like, Doctor Strange, I can't use my power. You just had to be- believe in yourself. <laughs> It's like, wow, she's punching holes left, right, and center. She, she oh was my cool. gosh. She was really cool, but she didn't really actually get to do she's much. She was just a MacGuffin through most she of it. She was. She was the, the damsel in distress. And adding to the mansplaining comment, it's like, Doctor Strange is the only one that knows what to do. And it's like, you've got flipping Scarlet Witch over here, and you've got this girl that can punch through dimensions. <laughs> also, kind of say, when they went into that space with the magical good book, mm-hmm. and they left the door open, I'm like, well, Scarlet Witch is so going to come in, and she did. And I'm like, Close the door. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 saddest thing about America was that she seemed to come from this utopian universe, you know, where like she has uh, these lesbian parents and like you know all good and, and that, but like her name's still America. It still <laughs> implies that America exists in that utopia. <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh, I love that. Well, I mean, that critique of America is maybe a good place to pivot to talk about our other film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, who, who wants to kick us off into this part of the discussion? Um, I, I can do that. I can do that. Um, guys, in 2016, there was a movie called Swiss Army Man um, by the Daniels. Oh, sorry, by Daniels, which is what, what they like to be known uh, as. And it features Daniel Radcliffe as a, a farting corpse and Paul Dano as a suicidal man who becomes best friends and maybe lovers or something more with the corpse. And they go on various magical adventures through the Oregon woods. That movie's amazing. And I'm so happy that the same creative team has come together to make something that's kind of codifying a lot of what makes Swiss Army Man so great. And being rewarded for it in a really big way. I think audiences are responding so well to this film about about the multiverse, but not as a not not just as a throwaway concept, which I feel kind of is how Doctor Strange treats it, but more as a, a central metaphor for the paths not taken in life. Um, and it's it's so beautiful and so relatable, even though it is at its very core like this heady sci-fi what if. Yeah, I agree. Like I. I... I feel a little bit bad how I went into it. Like, I didn't know much about the film going in. And I haven't seen Swiss, Swiss Army <sighs> Man, which I'm excited to watch now. Um, but I thought it was had some kind of connection to um, The One, 2001 oh, film yes. with Jet Li. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just what? because I was like, oh, it's a multiverse yeah. and, like, <laughs> Kung Fu. It's like, there's got, there's got to be a sequel or something here, which is terrible. Oh, but um, but the, the One is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was... But, yeah, I think it was also... I don't know, like, I, don't, I think, for me, 
it was quite a um, a moving film for me. Like, um, and I I think it's also quite timely. Like, I don't know that that film exists outside of the here and now, if that makes sense. In like a post information age, oh yeah, kind of exploration of um that the the elasticity of truth and reality for everyone. Um, and that there is like a sense we're all in our own little um like multiverses if that makes sense and i think like these stories really show well and i think like j cole one of j cole's songs that i really like he talks about like there is there's no such thing as a life that's better than yours you know what i mean and um the power of our main character um being that all of the paths not taken were the things that made her the right person you know what i mean like it was definitely a story of hope for me wow i love that reading billy i fully i fully agree with you like that and, and William, both of what you said, and I hadn't articulated it to myself in that way, and I, I've, I love that. And just to pivot off what you're saying with, with the lead actor, Michelle Yeoh is phenomenal. Like I I hope she gets an Oscar nom for this. Mm. These sort of films don't get recognised the Oscars generally, mm. but she deserves it. This is, this is one of the greatest performances I've seen in a long time, let alone Michelle Yeoh's performances. And I think she, was it maybe William, you told me, or someone was telling me that there was an interview with her where she was actually quite tearful because she was given the opportunity in this film to exhibit that range. Yeah. That, was it you telling me this? Mm-hmm. Um, and that she's usually just the martial arts person. And I, I, the fact she has like snotty nose and she's, like, even the part where she... Uh, what is it? I, I forgot about it until my flatmate told me. Um, Rakakuni? Oh. Like, that, <laughs> that is a joke. And then the way they pay that off is so The wonderful. construction of some of the jokes in the movie, wow. And I just want to know what their creative process was. Like, when did, th- did they just give... Like, they, they would have had the core idea, right? And then they, did they just give their creative teams free reign to come up with as many different gags <laughs> as they could. Because that's, it felt really... Um, it felt really energised by the creative process mm. it felt really free and I'm thinking that could only occur through everybody buying into that yeah. it reminds me of early Baz Luhrmann films where hugely collaborative process before CGI gets too much in the way and you know really exciting Peter Jackson's early stuff has that energy about it as well Sam yeah. Raimi's as well Sam Raimi it's a great yeah. connection um, and I, I think what makes this film work beyond the fantastic cast like the cast is every single person in that cast are like gems and I mean the daughter the daughter was the only person I wasn't familiar with and she was absolutely fantastic um, but the core of that movie it's about a family it's a it's a family story it's a primal story of a mother and a daughter of a husband and a wife a father and a daughter you know this fa- immigrant family trying to survive the tax system you know <laughs> dreams not happening being comfortable with where you're at two women connecting I think the relationship between Michelle Yeoh and um and Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, they, they really they really exaggerate it with the sausage finger world. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but the, the relationship between the, the, these two women is really powerful. There's just so many layers of heart, primal storytelling. You know, at the end of the day, it's a mother coming to terms with her life and being happy with it. Yeah. Um, and it's told with great creativity in the multiverse. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a great mix of the absurdity that's kind of anchored, I feel, by like also great symbolism, um, like the the Taurus kind of mm. central centralization of that, and and how it kind of advances the story. You know that it, like it kind of connects all these different mm. points of ridiculousness together, you know, <laughs> and that like it is in that understanding of um, kind of they are all different, but they are all one at the same time. Is that um, the the central like it's in the name right everything everywhere yeah. all at once like it all exists at the same time. Uh, I mean, what you were talking about before, Billy, about how this movie taking place in the here and now. I mean, the creators have said like it was originally sort of inspired by the internet, right? Mm. And of all these dis- disparate communities and corners of the internet and people living in these completely isolated communities and thought patterns and with. Trump and with how especially stuff in the North Americas has been happening, um, kind of them wanting to say that that is not all there is, right? There is hopeful connectivity or some way of, of conferring yourself to exist in this world. 
Wow. That's so cool. I remember somebody saying once, and I don't remember where I've heard this, it's really hard to write a, a commentary or satire on the internet because it's changing and developing mm. so fast that by the time you've written something, it's kind of out of date. And I love that connection. I hadn't really made that. But as you've said that, and you said, Billy, about the here and now, I'm like, there's just extra layers to this film that is mm. so satisfying. We, we wanted to go... Um, my, my boyfriend and I, Josh, we wanted to go see it again the other day and it was sold out. Oh, Because it's only at one or two cinemas in <sighs> yeah. Auckland. And I'm like, oh, I want to watch this movie again and I and I don't want to... Like, I'll watch it on, at home, but I want to go to the movies again yeah. to see it. Um, it's making me think of Tenet and how Tenet... You know, I have a lot of criticisms, criticisms about that film. You know, that had a, had a central idea that was really cool and they complicated it with too much trickery and mm. the central story was really boring. You know, this... This kind of abuse of a relationship and this this dude coming in to save this woman and her son like it just was a bit for me wasn't fully realized and a bit a bit clunky. The central idea of this film is so great and probably with like a tenth of the budget of Tenet and the multiverse uh, and Doctor Strange, and they're just it's just fun and heartfelt. I think I cried a couple of times, um, laughed a lot. William and I went and saw it with with Josh as well, and and actually I turned to William at one point. Listeners, if you listen to our uh, episode on In the Mood for Love, there's a, one of the multiverses is drawing directly from that film. And I turned to William, I was like, is this riff, riffing, yeah. riffing off In the Mood for Love? And you were like, oh my gosh, it is! <laughs> it's the Wonkai Y universe. So I'm thinking there must be other... And I, you know, I've only watched yeah. that movie because we did it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I reckon there'll be other deep cuts in there as well that as I go back and watch it, more and more details will emerge. Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's... That's that, or oh, that's referring to that. Yeah, I think like also like it was really obvious, you know, we're we're multiverse of madness has all of this like it's good, you know, great kind of story to draw on that we know from the past, like to see just how well just good story writing works, you know what I mean? And I think um, that's what I really liked about this movie was that, um, and also the resolution was around empathy for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it was really funny in those moments of empathy. Like when the tax woman like uh, finds that connection with, with Michelle, um, Michelle's character. Yeah. Um, and that they're going through a divorce and like she knows the sadness of that. And there was some really interesting, like in the, in the, uh, the expectations we have for our young, for our children. Right. And um, how we can push them too far. Um, and like, I, I felt like there was, uh, an exploration of kind of depression as well. And like you were talking about with the internet, I think we know all of these things and yet mm. somehow levels of depression are rising. Um, yeah. Even though we have access to so much more now, um, it's like almost the more we have, the less we have. Um, and that the central or the character around the daughter uh, being uh, like this omnipotent um, uh, uh being mm. almost at the end and she has that that name that they call her out and i don't know there must uh, be a... i wrote it uh, jobu tupaki yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like that um like and ultimately all she wants is that connection with her, her mother yeah. and that the, the empathy is what brings her back from her mom and that that shot where like her going into just the self-destruction basically it's it's nihilism brought large this is this idea of the everything bagel and once there's everything then what's the point um of her kind of giving up and sinking in to, to the blackness and then just her fingertips reaching out because she at the core of her being still craves that 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 connection and it's the last part of her to let go um and that's what saves the entire multiverse is pretty awesome it's so complex as well because you've got Michelle Yeoh's character. She's effectively given up as well. Like they've both given up or they're both dealing with this nihilism in different ways. And it's quite wonderful to see that play out. And it's like she's aware that her daughter's on the verge of some, you know, potentially suicide or, or something really significant, leaving the family, you know, there's, there's something there. But she still has her concerns and the way it's coming out, is it's just adding to the pressure. I also found it really interesting the red herring of the lesbian relationship. You, there was kind of the suggestion that that was going to be the tension, which I think is the tension resolution for the father, the grandfather character, right? Mm-hmm. And once that's got through, it's like that mum. That's not the point. That's not what I'm yeah. dealing with. And it's similar again to turning red, right? That in turning red, there, there's, there's this idea that what's talk being talked about is 
the, the bodily changes of puberty and, and you know, whether it's a, a young woman getting her period for the first time or her body changing. But at the end of the day, it's actually about her wanting to live into the parts of herself mm. that she doesn't see fit in with her family narrative. It's it's quite spectacular. And it's interesting it's interesting to know that two men wrote this story and I'd love to know what the engagement in, in, in was. And again, the creative pro- pro- process. Yeah. Like, what was the female voice in this? Because, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys read, but originally uh, Jackie Chan was supposed to be the main character. Oh. Uh, and when he turned it down, they gender flipped it and yeah it makes it it makes it uh i mean it would have been it would have been just as um exciting with the the father son mm-hmm. story but we've seen a lot of father son yeah. stories you know like it's it is a primal source of storytelling relationships with parents is always going to be relevant to us mm-hmm. but it was the i think the female dynamic and i guess the queer dynamic because the daughter's queer and there's that queer relationship with the sausage fingers people um <laughs> Adds another, just adds another layer to it as well, yeah. which just makes it interesting. Yeah, I think like there was also an aspect to do with um, the the dad character as well, <clears throat> in terms of like I think it definitely challenged in a Western sense the ideas of what a typical family or how that is run. You know, what I mean, like it's quite a matriarchal family, which is uh, I, I wouldn't say typical of a of a Western um, story of a family as well, and. Yeah. Um, like you, I think there was a moment where it felt a little bit like he had been kind of, like, uh, taken his his man manliness away, um, which was an interesting dynamic as well. I think for the main character in terms of there was um, when he flipped to his alternate self, um, she was very attracted to him, um, and then and then not when he comes back as. Uh, his his softest, more serving of herself. Mm, interesting. Mm. Well, in both both that, and I can't help but go back to turning red. Like the father figures are more reserved than their than their. Well, I mean, in in, in everything, every, every all at once, he's very active and and energetic. <laughs> but they take second seat to the the wives in that situation, and both of them they're the kind of core, the key to the revelations yeah. that happen oh, in the yeah. stories, which is. In terms of gender, gender storytelling, it's again really interesting. It's a really interesting and complex commentary on on both male and female kind of roles. And for both these movies to come out within you know a week of each other, basically, uh, and then for this movie to come out within a month of Doctor Strange, there's some sort of zeitgeist happening. I feel. Yeah, I I think it, again it's the same thing. Like the multiverse, we're exploring it more. Like one of the problems with madness, the multi the. Uh, Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> um, like I found, I found it weird. Like it seemed like there was something we're going on from Spider Man, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's already done something bad with the multiverse, uh, yeah, and then it's like yeah. all of a sudden, like it just happens. He stumbles on upon another another multiverse quest has just happened to come up, and it has no connection to what, like all of the s- stuff he messed up. When they're going to be released in the other direction, so yeah, multiverse is going to come first, then Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Spider Man was such a better film. It yeah, was oh yeah, such yeah. a great film. And I and maybe it's just too. Oh, do you not? You not think so? What's <laughs> your issues with Spider Man? No, no, I just find it so cheesy. <laughs> like and bringing back Tobey Maguire, like there was some cool gimmicks in it. Like the does he shoot webs out of his butt? Yeah, uh, and that was carried on. That was that was fun. But... Do they do the do they, remember, they do the classic pointing at they each other? They do. Of course they promote, do. Promotional image they did, yeah. but yeah, 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 yeah. Green, like... Green Goblin says, "I'm somewhat of a scientist myself," and all that stuff. Yeah. What's that from? Uh, Spider Man One. Oh, it's right. like one of his most famous internet lines. Right. <laughs> also, like, like uh, lots of the things I didn't realize about Spider Man. We're going into Spider Man, but like, <laughs> well, Sam Raimi connection as well, right? Yeah, he did the, yeah. He did all those movies. Like, I didn't realize that that Stark was Tom Holland's um, Osborn. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you know, the, all the other ones, uh, he gets bitten by the spider from Oscorp. Right, and he must have got bitten by a spider from <laughs> Tony Stark. Like that's because there is no Oscorp in that universe anyway. Ah, anyway. Well, let's hey, let's talk about that with um the Doctor Strange film. We had the first crossover what? of the X Men franchise yeah. into the Marvel franchise. Well, there's the Marvel. Illuminati. That was so dumb. <laughs> what is that from the comics? Yeah, it's it's from, from the comics. <laughs> there's also like a there's also a hint of it. Um, I think in an earlier, like quite a way back in a mm-hmm. Iron Man film, right, where he's got yeah. like a Illuminati <laughs> folder 
Right. Well, I mean, it makes sense because of Doctor Strange whole kind of, you know, imagery. But that, you know, bringing in Patrick Stewart. But can we talk about why, what is that buggy that he was in? Well, that, wait, wait. It's, it's the X-Men uh, 90s cartoon. That, that was his, like, super wheelchair that he rode, rode around in. They're really trying to weave in the threads, yes. eh? It, it looks real bad in live action, by yeah, the way. It does! <laughs> yeah. And, and did, did, was it just me, or did Patrick Stewart seem really uncomfortable? Because he, he had to keep his elbows up because the thing was too big. <laughs> <laughs> just, every time he came into the screen, there was, there was a couple sitting next to me, and they just lost it laughing. So goofy. How did your audiences react to all the cameos, by the way, because when when they played the X Men theme from the '90s cartoon, wow, my audience that... went nuts. <laughs> yeah. I'll think, I'm thinking about the Spider Man movie when Tobey Maguire came oh, yeah. and take a breath. And 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 you know his quote: "Reed Richards, the smartest man alive." Yeah, yeah. Was he going to be the? Uh, the fantastic, I don't fantastic. No, because I know fan casting. Everyone's like, "Oh, John Krasinski needs to be Reed Richards." And so this is just, you know, for the fans, quote unquote. Is he going to be? Like, has it been confirmed? I was more interested in is Keanu Reeves confirmed as Doctor Doom? Oh, wow. <laughs> and anyway, that's the one I was worried about. <laughs> that would be like, very, very cool. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was kind of lame how fast all of those superheroes died <laughs> at the hands of Scarlet Witch. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, this is dumb. Although, uh, uh, still, uh, I don't know if Sam Raimi, you know, intended for this or this was a Mar- Marvel mandate, but it did feel quite Sam Raimi to like introduce all these all these like fan favorites, and though they die in increasingly horrific ways. <laughs> uh, I, I was I just laughed out loud when they revealed Black Bolt uh, do you, did anyone see the Inhumans show when it was on ABC it. it's like I saw the, the pilot because it's like oh Marvel and it, it's the worst thing that the, the modern MCU has ever done yeah. like it's a, it's a terrible terrible show and Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones is the baddie and he just pontificates um, but Black Bolt the same actor plays him in that show and in this show uh, his name's Anson Mounts. Like, oh my god! Like, they actually, you know, sticking to their guns and saying we want to bring him back in the fold. Uh, he still wears a goofy ass helmet, and he gets killed immediately. Like, it's <laughs> so crazy. That whole sequence where they, he, what does he scream, <laughs> Doctor Strange to death? Yeah. Um, He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Uh, there were some interesting choices there, which yeah. I, I mean, I was like, oh, that's fine. It's a bit goofy and. There's so much. There's so much fan service. Yeah. There's so much fan. Like even the the monsters that come out. Um, the one-eyed tentacle dude. I love that. You know, oh. like off. Um, but I don't know what it's from. It's like off the the the, 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 the game. The game. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Marvel uh, Capcom. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So it's like they've, they've they're drawing on all of these different like pop culture things to do with Marvel and putting them in the movies, which is what we've always wanted, right? <laughs> it's the same thing with the X-Men thing. It's like, why can't they just exist together, please? Yeah. It's just, and I think it's a little bit too late. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right. Like, I hear Like, also, I feel like, um, you know, with, with the, the stinger at the end with Charlize Theron. What yeah, the like, heck what? was that? <laughs> I was like, oh, you guys are trying so hard oh. now to stay relevant. Uh, yeah. I was just like, wait, who, who, who is that? Uh, I know it's Charlize, but who is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I tell you what, though, I did love, I still love, um, even though Brian Singer is, you know, dodgy as, um, the one that he did, the one where he brought the two franchises of that world oh, together. Uh, Days of Future Days Past. Days of Future Past. Yeah. I had a great time in that film. And that was, I mean, what did we have then? Did we have the Avengers then? Like, that was, that was one of the first kind of bringing things together yeah. films. Um, and I still think, you know, the, the first X-Men movie, in my mind, started the modern superhero genre. I mean, mm-hmm. we had the Batman films, we had the early Superman movies. Mm, but I guess Blade was also in there somewhere. Yeah, there's a few, it's Spawn, there's a yeah. few random ones like that. But that first X-Men film, and starting it in the Holocaust with Magneto, mm-hmm. you know, grounding this in a real world, that first X-Men film is still so good and that second one it was, was oh, such a good sequel so, so good and then you know wah wah number three <laughs> <laughs> just like the Spider-Man movie yeah true Speaking of Sam Raimi true yeah uh, um, uh, but by the way Billy bringing up the big eyeball tentacle monster that, that was such a cool start like 
him with the saw blades and Wong coming in to join the action and how I, I feel like they really uh, play around with Strange's powers like it's not just him drawing circles in the air mm. like sometimes he creates a portal and there's some sort of demonic hell beast coming out to give him a boost or a double jump it's like this actually feels very very different um I mean, much less clinical, and it's like, here's just some bright lights, special effects. Like, everything's much more tactile and, and fantastical. Oh, and can we talk about the fight with music? Oh. That was one, that was, that was very cool. Yeah. It was one of the coolest parts of the whole yeah. film. And I was like, by that point, I was like, ah, I'm all for this. <laughs> yeah, I see, that's the, and I think that's the part, you know what I mean? It was the, that's what I was looking for. Mm. Like, because he, my, like, when I think about Doctor Strange comics as well like they're always quite fantastical it is that thing of playing with um perception and all of those kind of things so yeah i really like that part too i think i would have loved this movie like i said if a different character was the villain if it wasn't wanda Mm -hmm. uh i would have been all for it and they could have had they could have picked another character that wasn't so integral to something that like, that WandaVision, for me, was one of the best things I saw last year. I think it was in my top yeah, three yeah. Of, of last year. And it was so rich in theme. And then this film kind of just wasn't. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, it yeah. wasn't. Uh, yeah. It's like the Apple model, right? Like, you have to have, <laughs> have all of the different pieces of the Marvel to put it together. Like, the, the, the interesting thing to me is, like, how does this fit with, um, with Loki? Oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they've introduced this whole understanding of um like this one single timeline and like then there's multiverses that string out from there. So then how does that all exist in the same time and space as the multiverse? I, I, I read something interesting someone said online that um uh, they they think uh oh, mountains, no. Multiverse of madness. <laughs> <laughs> is only happening because of the events of Loki. How because the TVA the TVA were demolished in Loki, so now the timelines can run rampant. Yeah, uh, that that is why all this stuff is happening. Right, that's a really cool idea. I haven't seen Loki, but that mm-hmm. what you just described that was introduced in the Avengers Endgame, wasn't it? Yeah. That was the that yeah. was the idea there, which I quite liked that logic. I didn't really understand it, but I was like, oh, there's there's something here. Well, the, mo- the moment where he disappears, right, and becomes outside of that timeline. Yeah. So, uh, Loki. Loki. So, oh, so the idea, the idea in the show is that Loki joins basically the time cops. Uh, so Owen Wilson and some other people have a society where they they police the timelines. There's one prime, you know, sacred timeline, and everything that branches from it needs to be culled. Uh, and there's a baddie running around who is creating all these crazy timelines. And so Loki has to team up with Owen Wilson. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Is it good? It's good. Yeah. Cool. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. One thing that I'm really aware of is again as linking back to both everything everywhere all once and my criticisms of multiverse of mountains of <laughs> mr dr strange mom yeah <laughs> which is quite fitting i guess oh, wow. it came out on mother's day as well <laughs> uh is you know having that centralized clear primal story or just having a story yeah. and i think about like the new jurassic park movie coming out i'm like i have no idea what this movie is going to be about is it really just going to be about them saving a baby dinosaur like if that's going to be that's your what the trailers look like. i mean i'm like oh man i hope it's not going to be the whole thing um whereas the new thor movie which i'm so excited about mm-hmm. it's like so clearly he's like i'm i'm i'm, I'm over this yeah. i'm gonna go and go on a soul searching adventure and i'm like that's going to be a, such a fun film yeah. to watch. I know that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And then when his ex-girlfriend comes back into it in the middle of it, like that's going to be yeah. a cool tension. I can just, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already on board for the ride, you know? <laughs> like they just, Taika Waititi, I trust to like have a few gags all the way through, have some sort of re- resolution. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love it. Um, this, this movie, again, Multiverse of Mr. Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's fine. Hey, what's, yeah. his, what's his journey? Because... Oh, his oh, is about whether he's happy. Uh, oh, and also control, right? Because um, uh, uh, his ex, uh, Christine, at the beginning is like, you always have to hold the knife. And then at the end, he doesn't. He, instead of taking America's powers, uh, he lets her, you know, believe in herself. And then, then to use those powers. And then he ends up bowing to Wong as Sorcerer Supreme. So he, he learns how to play second fiddle, I guess. That's his journey. So, like, one of the things is like... It, it, leans so heavily i feel like on the what if 
stuff. Oh yeah. Have you have you watched What If? I, st- I watched so one episode. That's what, that's, you yeah. know what I mean? Like if it's my thing of if you don't absorb all of this material, <laughs> it's homework. Yeah. Like because he 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 like Doctor Strange's story in the What If one is the bad guy at the end, like his his bad self. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's all based around Christine, and like knowing how central Christine is to his story, we don't get that if you don't really watch. You know what I mean? They try to introduce it at the beginning, but it's like, oh, I yeah. missed this whole life with Christine. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like who, wait, who? Yeah. Because you forget that Rachel McAdams is even in this yeah. movie. Yeah. As well as a, a chill to Ujio for when he, when he yeah. appeared, I was like, all right, he was, a, he was a sidekick in the last one. I was just thinking about Serenity, his character yeah. in Serenity, the Firefly film. You know, I think about what you're saying, William, in terms of him not having control. This film, if Scarlet Witch had not gone on such a murderous rampage and her narrative had been in some way on a, on a journey which seemed evil, but actually at the end of the day, it was all good. And the journey of Doctor Strange was, he actually just needed to let her do her thing. Ah. That would have been a much more satisfying story because then it would have lived into what happened in WandaVision. And also his journey would have been like, he doesn't need to always be in control. Mm. But that's not you know, like what you're describing is very surface level. Yeah. Like because oh, yeah. that America. I, I don't think you believe in yourself, Jeremy. So yeah, it's so patronizing. It's, again, it's very mansplaining. Yeah. It's very patronizing, and <laughs> I, I, it didn't land for me. It didn't land. All right, let's do final thoughts. Billy, give us final thoughts on these two films. Final thoughts. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Great film. Probably my film of the year so far. Um, really relevant. Um, really great exploration of the multiverse. Um, mom, <laughs> Doctor Strange, um, Mom, I'm going to use that. Um, but hit and miss in service to the the wider good of, of trying to keep Marvel alive and try to figure <laughs> out what this new phase actually is and means. Um, but kind of forgettable. And also horror film, Don't Take Your Kids. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you about uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. For me, it's not just one of the greatest films of this year. It's one of the best films I've seen in a long time. Mm. Um, I think that it is very much of its time, timely, uh, pertinent. The fact that it's both films kind of deal with versions of depression uh, or versions of feeling a bit disconnected is very relevant to our world today, three years into this pandemic. Uh, and I really want to watch this film again at the cinema. I'll definitely be watching it again at home. I hope it gets the renewed life in New Zealand that it's been getting overseas and getting a wider release. Mm-hmm. This movie has the potential to be a slow burn and really build up a, a growing audience. Uh, and I really hope that the film gets recognition in the awards season. It is not the sort of film that usually would, but particularly Michelle Yeoh. I'm hoping it's like a, a Sigourney Weaver from Aliens situation where she might get it a nomination for a film that usually wouldn't. Um, and Multiverse of Madness, uh, visually fantastic, lots of great gags, um, had a lot of fun. Great to see Sam Raimi back. I hope that this doesn't dissuade him from making movies just like his experience with his last movie did. Oh, Oz, The Great and Powerful? Oz, The Great and Powerful. Ooh. I was thinking Drag Me to Hell, which I quite enjoyed, but yeah. it was Oz, The Great and Powerful, which is a, not a good movie. Um, but, you know, like I said, it really ruined the mythology of Wanda for me. Um, they They could have done that in a way that you know, protected that character a bit more. And it kind of screws with the TV series as well, which I loved. So now when I go back and watch that, I'm always going to have this bad taste in my mouth that she goes into this posi- this direction. And it doesn't matter if she comes back from another universe or whatever, this version of the character yeah. has sort of been ruined. So I'm, I'm a little bit... No, I'm very gutted about that. Um, and this is actually one of the worst Marvel movies I've seen in a long time as a result. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, over to you, William. Final thoughts. Oh, that's amazing, Jeremy. Um... Yeah, I, as I said before, uh, I quite liked Doctor Strange. Um, it's a mess of a movie, and it doesn't cohere at all. But what Sam Raimi brings to the table, I'm all for it. When uh, I can't remember what the line is, is like, uh, I can't, you know, I can't possess anyone that's alive. It's like, yes, <laughs> first pump. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we briefly mentioned Bruce Campbell, but he's he's really fun in the movie as well as, as Papa Pizza, or Pizza Popper. Um, I, I love the visuals, I love all the little gags, and that scene where Wanda's chasing them through the sewers, it's like, yes, this is what I want, like something very visually and stylistically different that, that separates itself from all the other Marvel stuff. 
Um, I completely agree, Billy. Like all the attempts at kind of just weaving this into the greater Phase Four Marvel stuff, just really fall flat, and it feels like a bit of a waste of time as well. Even the the fist pump moments with the crossover and the Illuminati, like it was done so much better in Spider Man, so much better. And plus, John Krasinski just looked hilarious in like kind of a a skinny guy like bodysuit with a big old four on his chest. They really downplayed the stretchy limbs as well, which yeah. is my superpower of choice. <laughs> like you just got to go full into the goofiness, like Mrs. Incredible or whatever yeah, her name yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I will say for Doctor Strange, uh, it's one of the rare movies where I ended. I started off hating it because it starts with something like 20 minutes of exposition. Um, and the more it went on, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm along for the ride. So I, I really liked it by the end. Um, everything, everyone at once, completely echo what you guys are saying. It, it is, yeah, probably my, my film of the, the moment. Um, I went home afterwards, Jeremy, and I, I cried. I was thinking about it and just tearing up in bed. It's, it's very, very powerful stuff. Um, I know in our group chat, I, I was posting all these 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 references and these these um uh things that connected to the movie i i have some of them down here just things that seem to influence the movie or that the movie loves or the creators love or some mix of that the matrix terry gilliam jackie chan stephen chow oh my gosh you guys we haven't even mentioned the uh, the butt plug fight <laughs> so wow good. So wow! Good. I love that they suggest it, and then yeah. it pays off. It pays off. But they do that in so many different ways, like yes. with the Rakakuni. Ra- Rakakuni, and, <laughs> uh, and uh, that, that huge empathy fight with the the empathy stairway, where to defeat all the baddies, she like empathizes with them. That's right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I love the moment as well where they, you know, they have to do all those weird little quirks to yeah. access and it pans and there's like, someone's humping a photocopier, <laughs> someone's like p- putting pepper in their eyes, like yeah. just all the ah. random ass stuff. And then like the little eyes that the yeah. husband puts in and then yeah. it, like the rock turns around and it's got oh, the eyes on it. So the rock sequence. The rock so sequence. <laughs> that, by the way, uh, reminds me of a, a video game called, I think it's called Everything? Uh, I think it's from a guy, David O'Reilly, which is also about you playing as just everything. You can play as a rock or a unicorn or a car. Um, also, uh, let's see, Michelle Gondry, like just the, the handmade nature of all that stuff. Satoshi Kon was some of the, the mind-bending, like millennium actress, like what it means to be parallel versions of you. Uh, all that random stuff, like Douglas Adams with Hitchhiker's Guide, the, the infinite improbability drive. Uh, and also Terry Pratchett with like just the, the, the humanity and the humaneness of, of everything yeah guys this movie like such a blast and i cannot wait to revisit it wow i love all those references yeah. and i absolutely agree with every single one of them well thank you for being with us today billy it's been so good having you back on the podcast thanks for having me thank you for listening to another episode of cinema in context if you enjoyed our podcast then please share it with your film loving friends you can listen to cinema in context through soundcloud spotify stitcher radio public Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, which are also great places to let us know what you think of this episode, or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, Nohora mai!